It's Christmas season. And in Christmas time, we get presents, right? Hands up if you get presents at Christmas time. Some people don't get presents, I'm sorry. It happens. What's really interesting is <laughs> I've got sisters, so I won't name who because one of them definitely are watching and they'll report. I've got sisters and they've, got all, they've all got children. And what's really interesting about watching, um, watching my um, sister's children a couple of years ago was seeing how a child opens their present. Background information. My sister spent about a week. She said, Andrew, I think the child, I won't give it away, the child will really like that. I said, yeah, why not? Sounds good. The child at the time was about two years old or slightly less. She bought the present. Christmas Day came. He, he, spent, he spent more time in, with the package than the gift. And I laughed at the sides of my mouth seeing all of that. But in that moment, I realized something. I realized this. Knowing and understanding the purpose of a present will affect its use. I also found out in this moment that knowing and understanding how to use it will affect how much of its potential you will make use of. Okay, so let's talk about my phone. I've got a brand new phone, right? Wow, praise God, right? And I really enjoy it. And people that know me and who work with me know that I really like my phone. And sometimes I just leave it by my table so people can see. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> that being said, I've done research about this phone. I know how it works. I know every small thing. So as a result, because I've done my research and I know the capacity of the phone, I can do things with this phone that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't sit down and do the research. One of the biggest problems in life is you can be given a gift, but if you don't know its full potential, you won't make use of its full potential. How true that is concerning the presence of God. This isn't a small thing I'm going to share today. I'm going to go about it slightly differently. But I want you to know the presence of God is not a small thing and you need to know its potential. You need to know its detail. You need to know why it's important. You need to know how to get in. You need to know why to remain in. You need to know this. So let's start. The title of my message is The Present of His Presence. The Present of His Presence. Let's go straight into Genesis Let's go into Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. Now, before I continue, 
we've heard this story before. We've heard about the fall of man. But I need to just talk about the intention God had. The word Eden means place of pleasure and delight. So God had created a place of pleasure and delight for his creation to experience God's pleasure and delight. Adam and Eve had intimate fellowship in the presence of God before the fall. We were created to enjoy God and be his friend. This is very important. God created people and put them in the garden. God and man walked together, they talked together, they named the animals together. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day and everything was good. There was no hiding, there was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no insecurity, there was no fear, there was no anxiety, there was no loneliness, it was just good times. Side note, Revelations 4.11 says that we are created for his good pleasure. That was always the plan and always will be the plan. Hebrews 11.6 says, it's only faith that pleases God. So when you're operating by faith, you will, this is worth writing down actually. When you're operating by faith, you will always experience God's good pleasure. But as I read, we read about the fall. Now, though this was God's intention, and this is how humanity was um, initially functioning before the fall, they fell. They ate from the, um, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 9, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. How interesting. No one, when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, no one came into the garden and took their clothes. They never had clothes. Now, one of the Psalms alludes that they were clothed with light. Interesting. But when they sinned, they realized that whatever was there was no longer there, and what they could only see was their nakedness. In that moment of seeing their nakedness, they also saw that there was a difference between who they were and who God was. So when God came, that difference caused them to flee the presence. Listen to verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, this is after the fall. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now let, lest, um, let, um, lest he put on his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So this is very important. If Adam and Eve ate from the tree of life, after sinning, salvation would not have been possible. The tree of life would have solidified their current state. And their current state was being sinners. Their nature had changed. Verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed, remember this name, he placed cherubim 
at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every, um, that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Cherubim was placed in one of the entrances of the Garden of Eden to prevent humanity coming back in and eating from the tree of life. Check this out. Cherubim is a form of angel. Angels, therefore, guard the presence of God from sinful man. Just remember that. Since that time, sin has, sin has prevented humanity the ability to be in the physical presence of God's glory. Now humanity hides, is insecure, lonely at times, guilt-ridden at times, shame-filled at times, condemned-filled at times. You name the negative attribute that tends to be our current way of existence. You see, the problem with sin is that it makes life be about you. Everything's about self. One of the interesting things about the Bible is that it calls, it calls um, uh, the way of man without God the flesh. What's really interesting about that word flesh, nine o'clock were pretty fast, so let's see. If you were at nine o'clock, you can't participate. If you see the word flesh, turn it around, take away the H, what word is left? Self. Self. Excellent. So, when you are walking without hate, the Holy Spirit, you are walking in the flesh. Life is all about self. It's not about God. In that way, you're always going to be pursuing happiness. This is worth um, writing down. Happiness is always connected to the positive of what's happening in your life right now. Happiness, therefore, is momentary. When you're living in the flesh for self, you often will have to live by living for the moments of happiness. But the problem with that, or the solution to that, is a Christian has been invited to have times of happiness. Don't get me wrong, happiness is good, guys. It's okay. But what is better than happiness is joy. When you're walking with the reality of joy, whether you're happy or not, joy will keep you on track. You have to understand that joy comes from a realm that goes beyond the physical world that we live in. Joy is connected to the God who created all things. And when you're walking in joy, you're walking in the reality of his presentness. And this is why the presence of God is so important to your life. When the presence of God is not real to you, self becomes very real. And with self comes pride, comes fear, comes personal ambition, comes delusion. You name it, it's there. How did we get to this place? How did humanity get to this place? Who's, who's at the, the bottom line of this? It's the enemy. You see, I want everyone to understand that the enemy doesn't desire you to walk with God. It's funny. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking who, for who he could devour. 
And one of the revelations that the Lord gave me one time was he's looking for those who aren't aware they're walking with God. When you're not walking in the awareness of God's presence, you are walking in the awareness of you. But you weren't created for you. You were created for God's pleasure. Side note. Let me labor on this a bit more. It's not about you. But Pastor A, the, the hurts that I've been through, it's, 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 they're there. But you can't allow your pains to continue to dictate your future. You didn't have a dad. You had a dad, he wasn't really present. You were molested. Let's go through the stuff I've heard. You were molested. You were, you were raped. Um, major money was lost. Good friends stole against you. Um, a close friend or family member was killed, murdered. All of these things. I'm not saying this without a pastoral heart, but what I am trying to say is these things, if they could not be overcome, these things would be God. But because they can be overcome, they can be overcome by the God who loves you. Let's keep going. So shame and guilt were realities of how we live right now. The presence of God is something that you must pursue. Realize that humanity was designed to only function in the presence of God. Now that the presence of God is, 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 is essentially gone at this time, the struggles begin. Adam and Eve put coverings over themselves, the Bible says. What things are you covering over yourself that is making you not experience the presence of God? Is it money? Is it success? Is it friends? Is it degrees? Is it your family? What is it that you are entertaining yourself, that you're covering yourself, that you think that covering, if I'm successful, if I have money, if this is here, I'll be okay? No. Those things will come, those things will go. But what was supposed to remain was God's presence. Let's go through the Bible and just, I want to show you just how significant this presence thing actually is. So it started off there. Adam and Eve, they lost the presence of God. Let's fast forward all the way to Moses, right? Let's fast forward all the way to, to Moses. Moses was, um, was in the wilderness at the time. Uh, God spoke to him. God used Moses to take the Israelite people outside of Egypt. At that time, the Israelites were really slaves to the Egyptians. He took them out. He takes them into the wilderness. Praise God, he's in the wilderness. God speaks to him at Mount Sinai and makes a covenant. Listen to this. Listen to the definition of covenant. The covenant was this. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will dwell with you. This was God's covenant to the people. If you see, it's coming back to his ultimate plan and his ultimate desire at the beginning, which was to be present with his people. You see, God wants to get back 
in relational presence with his people. So Exodus 25 tells us more. So Moses is on Mount Sinai. He's speaking to God. God gives him the Ten Commandments, and he also gives him um, what I can only describe as a, a sacrificial program. Interesting words, commandments. The definition of the word commandment is far better explained as this, divine prescription. So God gave 10 divine prescriptions. And the idea of the divine prescriptions, if you were to follow these divine prescriptions, one, you would know what sin is, and two, these these divine prescriptions will help you avoid sin. God doesn't like sin. He's not cool with it. And maybe we've overly, um, maybe we have allowed sin to to be a thing that is okay. We don't really talk about it. I'm going to have to talk about it today. Because understand, sin was the reason why the presence of God left. So we continue. So God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. He told Moses, I want you to create a tabernacle. Video gallery, can we have a picture of the tabernacle? Now, the tabernacle had three areas. An outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. Now, the outer court was the biggest area. The inner court was slightly smaller. The Holy of Holies was even smaller. They say it probably had only space for one person. This was a mobile tabernacle, so they could pack it up and move along and then set it up again. Now, what's really amazing about this is that there was a gate at the front. There was a door in front of the inner court and there was a veil in front of the Holy of Holies. I want you to remember those three names. A gate, a door, and a veil. In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Let's just quickly see a picture of the Ark of the Covenant and then come back. In the, in the Holy of Holies was this golden box, and it would represent the presence of God. The lid of this object is called the mercy seat. So what you see is two angels... Um, facing towards each other, there's a gap in the middle, and that lid of the ark is called the mercy seat. God told Moses that this tabernacle that he was making was an illustration, a type of what was true in heaven. So the tabernacle was made, but here's the problem. Let's say this, actually. When sin was committed, the people were supposed to sacrifice an animal, an innocent animal. A pigeon, a goat, a lamb, you name it, things were sacrificed because sins kept on being, kept on being done. Eventually in time, as time went on, God said, listen, I want a, a temple. I want a place where I can remain. I don't want it to be moving. I want it to remain. So David's son, Solomon, makes the temple in Jerusalem. Solomon completed it. The same principles remained. There's an outer court. There's an inner court. There's a holy of holies that had the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, the reason why God wanted to make a tabernacle or a temple was that his presence can be amongst the people. Always remember that. Unfortunately, 
the veil between the inner court and the Holy of Holies was still present. What's interesting about the veil is that there was, God told Moses to, to, um, in, to, to weave into the veil two cherubims. Now, if you remember and you're following the story, the cherubim was placed outside the Garden of Eden to stop sinful man from entering in. So you have to realize that this veil was still a sign to humanity that there is a difference between you and God. Sin is the big issue here. That is the separation. So, God gives um, a warning to the people. He said, if, if, the, if the sin doesn't stop, then I'm going to withdraw my presence from the temple. And that's exactly what happened. He withdrew his um, presence from the temple. This is found in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18 to 19. At this time, there was a northern kingdom, there was a southern kingdom, and both kingdoms um, were captured. The people went into exile. Now, fortunately, the prophets spoke. Um, God spoke through the prophets. And the prophets prophesied that, don't worry, Israel, there'll come a day when the people will return to Jerusalem and there will come a day when the temple will also return. But here was the issue. The presence wouldn't come back. The presence wouldn't come back. This is pretty much the end of the Old Testament now. It ends that way. What's really interesting about it ending that way is that there was 400 years where there was no new book that was um, written by a prophet. However, the last book, Book of Malachi, that book speaks, has words, prophetic words about what would happen in those 400 years. Side note for the Bible geeks, enjoy. Now, New Testament starts. Remember, the whole purpose that God has was for his presence to be with the people. He started off with Eden, presence was lost. He asked Moses to make a tabernacle. Um, Then the tabernacle was was solidified and it was a temple. Sin came, his presence left. So he said, this is what I want to do next. And it was prophesied by Isaiah. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Understand God's desire to be present with, with his creation hasn't changed. It's just looked different. So, John 1 verse 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is tabernacled. So check this out. The word of God, who is Jesus, Jesus became flesh and tabernacled. Oh, hallelujah. He tabernacled with mankind. How? Not in a tent, not in a temple, but in a human body. Does this make sense? Now, the presence of God is with creation in a different way. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says this, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in um, um, is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, I say that just for you to know, the tent, the tabernacle, is the body. So Jesus is now God in Human form. God is now tabernacled as a 
person. And we know his name as? Amen. Jesus is the meeting place of God and humanity. Where God's glory is directly available to everyone at that time. Here's the problem. We weren't born at that time. We only read what happened at that time. God's desire wasn't just for Jesus to come and remain for a season. No, no, no. He had a deeper plan. The Bible says (laughs) that the tabernacle that was made, that the temple that was made, was simply a shadow of the tabernacle person that would come, who was Jesus Christ. He would die, lay this tabernacle down, so that anyone who would believe could be a tabernacle too. Let's have a picture of um, the, um, the tabernacle again. You are a tri-state be- being, spirit, soul, and body. In this illustration, your body really represents the outer court. Your soul, your, your mind represents the inner court. And the holy of holies is really your spirit. That's why the Bible says, don't you know you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are a temple, and the Holy Spirit resides in you. Hmm. Let me describe the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a day back in when um, the the Jewish people were celebrating um, uh, the tabernacle. When in Moses' day and even times of Solomon's, Solomon's day. The Day of Atonement happened one day a year. On that day, the high priest would come. He would slaughter a lamb. He would take the blood of that lamb. He would go through the door. The Israeli people would be all outside waiting to see the high priest come out. The high priest would go in. He'd go through this bit. I'll teach them that another day. He got into the Holy of Holies, the ark. Let's go back to that ark. He would sprinkle the blood of the lamb that was slaughtered on the ark seven times. He would come out. So the blood would be in the middle of where the angels were on that, on that lid. He would come out of the um, tabernacle. And if he came out and the people saw, them seeing the high priest come out was proof that sins were forgiven for that year. I want you to, let's hold on to that picture. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the tabernacle that we've said. But Jesus Christ is also the fulfillment of the sacrifice, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. But Jesus is also the high priest. It's one of my favorite revelations. I I want you to just listen to this. This is found in John chapter 20, verse 12. Keep that picture up. John chapter 20, verse 12. So this is after Christ has, um, has, has um, been crucified and he's just resurrected. Listen to this. So she, being Mary, she saw two white-robed angels. When she's looking inside 
where Jesus was buried. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus was lying. This is supposed to represent the presence of God. If you still don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, let this verse confirm it to you. He came. He died. God came. God died in the flesh so that all could finally have the restoration of the presence of God in their lives. There's three types of presences. Presences. Hilarious. My English teacher. Oh, Lord. Right. One, the omnipresence. The omnipresence is really the, it's God's, God's present everywhere. In the pub, um, in the toilet, he's there. He's everywhere. There's nowhere that he's not in this drum cage. He's there. The manifested presence. The manifested presence is more like a concentrated version of his presence. Now, there's different levels of concentration. There may be some of you in this room right now who may be experiencing chills or or warm feelings. That's an example of the manifested presence of God. When the bush was on fire that Moses saw, that was an example of the manifested presence of God. There's different depths of the manifested presence. But there is one presence that God always desired. It's called the indwelling presence. The indwelling presence of God is God dwelling in those who have believed. Here's the problem with this. Though he dwells in you as a believer, his life may not be evident. His life may not be manifesting. There's two things that you got when you, get, when, um, when you got saved. Actually, three. Technically, three gifts. It's called eternal life, the gift of eternal life, the gift of righteousness, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? I'm not going to talk about righteousness today. But the gift of, of the Holy Spirit and the gift of eternal life. You've been given the life of God. That's eternal life. It's the standard. It's the quality of God's life. You've also been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what allows you to have relationship with God. Here's the catch. Your participation in the relationship that you have with God is what will allow the life you have to flourish. If you don't participate, fellowship, with the Holy Spirit that's been given to you, the life that you have won't be manifested. So it's not enough to say the Spirit of God dwells in me. You have to fulfill one of the verses in the Bible that says Christ in you the hope of glory. Christ in you, in short, let me change that. Christ in you, the expectation to be revealed. That's God's desire for everyone. That is the presence of God. That is how you can be restored back to God. Now, if you decide to say, you know what, I never knew that the presence of God was so, was so significant. And I can talk about the presence of God and how it affects a church. I'll leave that to another day. I'm making it about you, the individual. I need everyone to understand. I chose that song with everything because that song speaks to me one key thing. He died for us to enjoy the pleasantness of his presence. Outside of that, we're not actually supposed to be functioning. This is actually quite serious. Listen to what I'm saying. 
You're not supposed to function without God's life functioning through you. Okay. Maybe you guys will give an amen. You're not supposed to function without the fullness of God's life in you. Thank you. Right? So that means this, right? What am I alluding to? We have to repent, therefore. Listen. I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. I don't know. Is there challenges? I am sure. Is there big issues? I am sure. If, so, if you made a book and who, got, who had like, the worst things happening in the last three months, I'm sure there'd be some, some fights in terms of who's going through the worst. But that being said, the life of God is your victory. But the life of God can't be revealed until you realise, instead of running from the presence, you now have to run to the presence. Why? Your child, if you're a parent, your child needs you to be fully surrendered to God. Your child needs you. Okay, cool. You're married. Your husband needs you to be fully surrendered to God. The wives. (laughs) Your wife needs you, husband, to be fully surrendered to God. To the kids, you don't escape this. Your parents need you to be fully surrendered to God. Everyone here has been called to be fully surrendered for the sake of those who do not know him. And for the sake of those who do. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It's not the chastisement. It's not how how much you, you argue and nag. The reality is it's you being fully surrendered to the life of God, which is good, that if it expresses itself, people will see and say, I need to change. Everyone here, and maybe, you know, I might, I might get told off, but now nah, you only live once. Maybe you think it's okay to continue to function the way that you do. I'm involved in this as well, by the way. I'm not talking at you. I'm, it's unfortunate. It's talking to me. And to you. We cannot be happy to not express all of Christ. Everyone inside this room, when they gave their life to Christ, they realized in that moment, what have I been doing? I couldn't believe I'm so blind. I give my life to you. They made that decision. But for some reason, as the time has gone on, something has bewitched us. And we think it's okay to be rude. We think it's okay to cheat. We think it's okay to lie. We think it's okay to steal. We think it's okay to sin. But sin was the reason why he left in the first place. And we're calling out for revival. No, 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 I'm flowing. Praise God. We're calling out for revival as if it's going to be some magical minister come in here and then all of a sudden everything breaks loose. Revival's in you already. The only person who's quenching it is you. Why? Because you think Netflix is more important. You think football, listen, I'm a, I was a football fan. Oh, Lord, I repented. <laughs> hey. 
I repented. You lot don't understand. <laughs> Those tears were serious. You guys think it's okay to remain the same. You think, oh yeah, but Andrew, you don't understand. Were you with me at six years old when I went through what I went through? I wasn't, but 2,000 years ago, he went through what you, ah, come on. When is this gonna mean something to us? When are we going to say, you know what? Let's go for it. With everything. When are we going to say, you know what, I'm getting attacked. You know what, I don't understand. People tell me, Pastor A, I get bad dreams. When is your bad dreams? It's usually about two o'clock. Okay, so why don't you pray at that time? I'm tired. <laughs> so you want me to lay hands on you because you were tired. And if I say I'm tired, I get in trouble. The reality is this. Do everything you can to ensure you come into the reality of God's presence. Do everything. If it means you have to go for a period of, of doing night watch prayer, 12 to 3 o'clock in the morning, so be it. Get your freedom. It's 1 o'clock, you're so lucky I have to finish. If you don't accept this message, your heart is hard. I'm supposed to provoke you right now. I don't want you to say amen, because I hear amens every Sunday, and every Sunday we return the same. So what's the point of me saying something that you already knew that you're not putting into action? Don't say amen if you don't mean it. One of the definitions of amen is let it be unto me. So let it be unto you then. Why? Because God loves you so much, he wants to do life with you. And if you allow him to do life with you, life changes. Guys, let's not look back at the past. Let's not be in fear. Let's, let's not be like the world. Let's actually say, you know what? Hmm. Bible study, I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start reading my word. I'm going to start meditating on the word. I'm going to start watching TV because I realize that TV hasn't helped me. I'm really going to start enjoying the fact that God has mercy for me. No matter what sin I've done, the blood allows me to come in. And if I come in, I have an opportunity of being in the presence. And if I stay in the presence, I'll be in the glory. And in the glory, I'll be transformed. And if I'm transformed, if I'm changed, then I want to be more Christ-like. And if I'm more Christ-like, the people that don't know Christ can see him through me. I'll lay hands on the sick. I'll see them healed. I'll cast out demons. I'll do all the things that the Bible says. But we're so happy to read the Bible and say, well, that's Jesus. But I thought it was Christ in you. So I'll end it here. The presence of God is God's desire to be restored to humanity because he loves. He didn't die for you to come to church. He died for his life to be risen inside of you. I want everyone to close their eyes. Maybe there's someone inside this room who's never heard this before. I'm going to link it to the gospel message because this is what it is. The worship team can come up. Sin has separated you from God. 
And if you're feeling conviction right now, it's good. Because the conviction of sin points to the mercy and the love and the life of God that is freely available for those who realise it is by Jesus' death and resurrection that your sins have been forgiven. If you are finally today not going to pretend to do church and going to say, you know what, aha, I understand. It's the restoration of the presence of God in my life, the life of God in my life. So I no longer have to live for self, but live for the one who died for me so I could realise the newness of life, so I can realise the abundant life that he has come to give me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hands. God bless you. I'm not going to say God bless you to everyone. There's hands around. I want those people to say these words after me. And those who, this is simply an an affirmation, a rededication, declare as well, amen? Say these words after me. God in heaven, I thank you that you're now my father. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, I am now your child. I repent from my sins. And I hold on to your life. I am a child of God, and I ask you, from this day, Jesus, be my Lord and my Saviour. Amen. Let's clap for Jesus. The presence of God isn't just something to come into a church and experience. It's a life to be revealed. Reveal it. That's why he came.